I'm Mike Schaefer with Schaefer Farms in St. Hedwig, Texas. You're listening to the latest news on Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time to get rolling on another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it looks like the leverage is finally swinging back in cattle producers' favor. We saw fed cattle prices get into the low 140s over the past week, so that's a good sign as we move into 2022. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It looks like La Nina's going away soon. But what does that really mean to Texas High Plains farmers hoping for planting rains? I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Controlling wildfires in the state with more than 110 of 254 counties currently under an outdoor burn ban. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Fed cattle prices moved into the low 140s over the past week, showing that cattle feeders are slowly regaining leverage in the market. Robbie Kirkland owns Kirkland Feed Yard in Vega, Texas. He says things are slowly moving into the feed yard's favor. Very slowly, but yes, a little bit at a time. It's not going to happen overnight. We do know there's quite a few cattle in the feed yard right now. Our feed yard inventories are pretty high. I mean, the drought in our area, uh, in the Texas Panhandle and, and parts of Oklahoma and Kansas, has been really dry. So a lot of cattle are getting pulled into the feed yard early. And so that's going to kind of, I think, probably push off maybe uh, some of this leverage that we're talking about maybe a little further down the road, maybe fall of 2022. That's just my opinion, but I think as we move into 22 and then into next year into 2023, that's when I think we're really going to see the benefits from a leverage standpoint of lower numbers. Kirkland says feedlots are in the black right now, making $100 to $150 per head. Recent rains have improved the drought situation across Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 78% of the state is under moderate or worse drought. That is down six percentage points from the same time last week. And it looks like the area impacted by drought will continue to decline into next week as well. The Water Development Board says additional rainfall has helped conditions, particularly in northeast Texas, an area of central Texas spreading into south Texas, which includes Williamson, Milam, Liberty, and Lavaca counties, is now drought-free. From Cameron County at the southernmost tip of Texas up to Matagorda County along the Texas coast is also drought-free. Extreme drought remains in the Panhandle, in some counties along Red River, and the northwest corner of the state, 
in southwest Texas and an area around Big Bend are all suffering from extreme drought. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. New crop cotton prices are well over a dollar now, and it may be a good move to price some of this year's crop. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says prices won't stay above a dollar forever, and much lower prices are a very real possibility this year. I'd be taking advantage. There is downside risk, in my opinion. If we have 17 and a half, 18 million bales somewhat confirmed by the end of the summer, I don't expect to see 95 cent cotton in October and November. Anything can happen, but there is downside risk to this. I think we're going to return a little bit more to normal fundamentals. The weather market's going to play its course. The demand situation is probably going to get a little bit clearer. This logistics problem, which is somewhat unique to the post-pandemic world, I think that's going to eventually get solved. And, you know, normal pressures could push us back down into the 80s. It's been a while since we've been in the 80s, but we're not in a new world that we're never going to see low prices again. Texas A&M's John Robinson. It looks like La Nina is going away soon. James Hunt tells us what that means for Texas High Plains farmers who need planting rains this spring. For several months now, as drought has prevailed across our region, we've all been hoping for relief from the La Nina weather pattern that has been bearing down on us. Well, when state climatologist John Nielsen Gammon paid a visit to Amarillo, he had some encouraging news. Well, there's two good things that are going to happen. First off, La Nina is definitely ending. Looks like it has maybe about another month or so before temperatures go back to normal in the tropical Pacific. The other aspect is even if it didn't end, its impacts would decrease because it really only affects our rainfall in the wintertime from November to March or thereabouts. So that would go away also. Unfortunately, that leads us to the spring, which is a typically a wetter period, but also one where there's not a good way of making predictions about it. So um, it becomes more of a roll of the dice as to whether things recover or not, but at least the dice won't be loaded. And therein lies the rub. La Nina will soon stop being a problem, but apparently we have to continue waiting to see what the chances are of getting good rains for spring planting. So for now, a lot of farmers are likely to continue pre-watering their fields. But as Dr. Nielsen Gammon reminds us, crops are not the only concern. The other thing we have to watch out for for the next few months is fire risk because we did have fairly wet start of the summer last year and so there's plenty of dry grass out there. And if we get some decent storms coming through, that can really reduce the fire risk. But while things are still dry, the winds are going to pick up in the spring and we could have problems. I talked with Dr. Nielsen Gammon on Wednesday at the Water Conservation Symposium hosted by the Panhandle Groundwater Conservation District. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Over 100 Texas counties are now under a burn ban while wildfires are touching several parts of the state. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today from College Station is Erin O'Connor. She is with Texas A&M Forest Service, serving as state public information officer. Erin, give us an update on the the fires, wildfires that uh, A&M Forest Service has responded to here in the last day or so. Over the last day, Texas A&M Forest Service responded to 24 new requests for assistance on wildfires across the state. Um, We had a very active day yesterday with some winds coming through the area, increased temperatures, and dry vegetation. 
and we're still actively working on 13 of those wildfires today. And generally, where are these fires? What location in the state of Texas? So a lot of these have occurred on the Western Plains and the North Texas area. So we had a few in like Hood County, Palo Pinto region, as well as Wichita Falls area and Childress. What uh, advice are you passing along to people, whether they be in rural areas, urban or suburban of Texas, during this period of very high winds and uh, certainly the drought uh, continuing? We are encouraging Texans to be just very mindful when we have these windy, dry, or warmer conditions. We're anticipating to see wildfire activity continue to increase throughout the spring, and we are encouraging folks to just be diligent with their outdoor activities, careful to not cause a spark, and monitor their local conditions, checking if there are any burn bans, burn restrictions, and if they are going to do anything outside to make sure that they have water nearby, that they've cleared the area of any other flammable vegetation or materials. She addresses the impact of the very high winds and drought conditions across Texas right now and the potential for more wildfires. When we have these conditions, sometimes we see fires that are more difficult to control, especially when they are burning in that freeze cured or that very dry vegetation and they're aligned with critical weather patterns. So again, we're just encouraging folks to be very cautious and to help their fire departments and help their state agencies with preventing wildfires from happening. What uh, geographic landscape can you uh, place these fires? Yeah, so several of them are burning in more of the rural areas, kind of the grass fuels, but we have had several that were burning close to communities and did threaten structures at some point. But due to the efforts of local fire departments and the Texas A&M Forest Service, those structures were saved and containment increased so that they were no longer a threat to those communities. What about injuries to, to people? Any, any of those reported? No injuries have been reported to date. And any other advice for people out there? Just, again, being very cautious and diligent. In Texas, 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans and their activities. So if people just take extra care, extra caution, think about things that aren't necessarily common that you don't think about or associate with wildfires, but even things like parking in tall, dry grass or when you're mowing your lawn and that hits a rock and causes a spark. That again is Aaron O'Connor with the Texas A&M Forest Service in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new nationwide deer report is out and Texas tops the nation in several categories. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have the rundown coming up on Texas Ag Today. And enteritis is the most common cause of death in calves younger than 30 days. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students, the Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, visit texasfarmbureau.org. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Enteritis is the most common cause of death in calves younger than 30 days old. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Dr. Franklin Gary with Colorado State indicates he characterizes these calves as having two different types of enteritis. Based on the pathophysiology, group 1 includes viral diseases like rotavirus and coronavirus, as well as a protozoal agent called cryptosporidium. These diseases are treated with fluid therapy alone and most of the time respond well as antibiotics are not indicated. Group 2 includes bacterial organisms that can cause enteric disease and can invade past the intestinal lining. These diseases are Salmonella, E. coli, and Clostridial enteritis, and antibiotics may be helpful in these conditions. Although there are exceptions, Dr. Gary believes classification of the diseases in these categories is helpful to determine chance of survival treatment, and prevention. As far as group 1 diseases and fluid therapy, you must use the correct combination of electrolytes, glucose, or glycine to promote electrolyte and fluid resorption and need an appropriate concentration of an alkalizing agent, which is an agent to increase the pH. Dr. Corral Dorn from South Dakota indicates scours can happen quickly and you don't have time to wait for lab results before starting fluid therapy. Regardless of the cause, if these calves are down, intravenous fluids with dextrose for energy and bicarbonate to treat the acidosis are helpful. You can then consider oral fluids, but starting with oral fluids leads to decreased survival. Calves that do have bacterial infections have a much lower chance of survival due to the toxins produced, and antibiotics will be needed for survival. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new nationwide deer report is out, and Texas tops the nation in several categories. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Texas once again tops the nation in terms of antlered and antlerless deer harvest. According to a new report from the National Deer Association, hunters in Texas harvested 449,933 bucks with antlers in 2020, the most recent year that data is currently available. That's more than 230,000 more deer than the second-rated state, Michigan. It's actually a 2% decline from the number of deer harvested in Texas in 2019. The majority of antlered bucks harvested in 2020 were at least three and a half years old. In 2020, hunters harvested more than 402,000 antlerless deer in Texas. That is up 4% from 2019 and is more than 142,000 deer more than the second-rated state in antlerless deer harvests, Pennsylvania. More than 3 million antlerless deer were harvested nationwide in 2020. That is the first time that we've topped 3 million since 2013. The majority of antlerless deer harvested at 65% were three and a half years old or older. Texas also topped the nation in terms of the number of deer hunters in 2020 with more than 770,000. Analysts say that that could be because of the coronavirus pandemic and more people wanting to get outdoors. The number of hunters is up from 738,000 in 2019 and is more than 100,000 hunters more than the second-rated state, Pennsylvania. Texas is also number one in another deer-related category, According to the report, there are 858 captive deer facilities in Texas, the most in the nation. 
For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The live cattle market was lower on Friday while feeder cattle closed mixed. We ended the week with a higher close in cotton and grains. We'll update all of Friday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. is National FFA Week, February 19th through the 26th, and FFA students across the country are celebrating and sharing the FFA story. I'm National FFA Eastern Region Vice President Mallory White from the state of Kentucky. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on its members. It is the top school-based youth leadership organization and cultivates and nurtures future leaders who will change how the world grows. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Friday. We wrapped up the trading week with the live cattle market closing lower. Feeder cattle closed mixed. February live cattle down 15 cents at 143.25. April down 90 at 145.87. June live cattle down 65 cents at 141.50. The feeder market was mixed with the nearby's lower deferreds higher. March feeder cattle down 77, 165.42. The April down 30 at 170.85, while May feeder cattle were up 17 cents, 175.90. Cash fed cattle trade wrapping up the week, selling cattle here in the south at 142 to 142.50. Up north, live prices were at 142 to 143, dressed cattle 226 to 227. All of those prices about two bucks higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was lower Friday. Choice down 239 at 267.20. Select down 58 cents, 264.27. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Dwayne Guys White and his son Sean had a cattle sale at Fredericksburg Gillespie Livestock on Wednesday. Dwayne, how did that sale turn out? Well, we ended up with right on top of 800. A lot of cows bringing ladies. The bulls, top bulls, like over 15. The calf market there was just unbelievable. Steers probably five to eight dollars higher. Heifers, they might have been ten or fifteen dollars higher. There might have been some of them higher than that. So uh, the steers, a lot of 400 pound steers bring two to 220. Three weights up to uh, 240. Five weights up to two dollars. Six weights up all close to 180. The heifer made three weights didn't have many really fancy three weights close to those that we did have bring 180 to 185 four weights lots of those good four weights bring 175 to 185 with a few up right on top of two dollars five weights a couple weeks ago they're bringing their 40s uh yesterday most of them bring or today that most of them bring in the 60s six weights up in the low 150 it, they just had a, quite a big move for what We've been needing that for a long time. First half of sale of quality was really good. Poor DM, we kind of slacked off a little bit. What's going to happen next week, Wayne? I think the keeping your run should start picking up. You know, we kind of anticipate this week we wouldn't have that many. We had close to 2,000, but 
It's the week of San Antonio Stock Show, so uh, usually a lot of people are down there. Should get more animals next week. Down to sale, 800 to 1,000. I'm sure that's kind of what we're going to be running this time of year. We'll talk to either you or Sean Sunday night and see what the weekend has brought. In the meantime, tell folks how to get a hold of you. We're at 830-997-4394. That's Wayne Guys White, Gillespie Livestock. I'm Larry Marble, and you're my neighbor. Neighbor, this has been Walking the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs continue to climb sharply higher. April hogs up $1.82 on Friday to close at one hundred nine forty, while May hogs were up two hundred two, closing at one thirteen thirty five. Class three milk was mixed. February milk down a penny at twenty eighty seven hundred weight. March milk up 6, 22.41. The cotton market into the week on a higher note Friday. March cotton up 106 points, 122.99. October cotton up 87 at 107.06. December cotton up 48, 102.49. The Russia-Ukraine situation continues to spook the grain markets. A lot of uncertainty heading into the weekend on Friday. Of course, Ukraine is one of the world's largest wheat and corn exporters. So that has traders very nervous about what's going to happen with this situation. When we wrapped up the trade on Friday, March corn was up four and a quarter, six fifty-four and a quarter. New crop September corn up a penny at six oh eight and three quarters. The wheat market also higher on the Russia-Ukraine situation. Hard wheat getting the biggest boost. July Kansas City wheat up eleven and three quarters, eight forty and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up a half at eight dollars three quarters of a cent. In the energy markets, March natural gas was down six cents at four forty two. March crude oil down forty one at ninety one thirty five a barrel. The financial markets lower on Friday afternoon. The Dow down one hundred ninety points, thirty four thousand one twenty one. The Nasdaq down one hundred forty nine points at thirteen thousand five sixty seven. The S and P down twenty four at four thousand three fifty five. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.